What makes a great experience? It's a thousand things, but ultimately it's the trust that those thousand things are gonna be right every single time. And so I, I think trust is a perfect word as what really adds up to, to loyalty. It's about how you own your mistakes. It is probably the most important aspect of building trust, and it's true with every partner across the customer experience. That's Charlie Cole, CEO of one of the largest florist retailers and distributors in the world, FTD. We've been around for actually 111 years, and FTD functions as a two-sided marketplace between consumers and, and predominantly florists. We fulfill um, flowers, plants, gifts uh, around the United States and, and have international relationships as well where we can wire orders around the world. And so our job is really to become the enablement layer for, in a lot of ways, Michael, the most important moments of your life. And that might sound a little bit self-aggrandizing and it might sound a little bit self-important, but it's really true. And and one of the things you learn when you're in the gifting space, so to speak, is uh, the stakes will never be higher in a consumer journey because it might be the birth of your son, it might be the marriage of your daughter, or it might be the morning of a lost one. And, and we always are that kind of e-commerce marketplace experience that uh, allow you to acknowledge those moments with the appropriate touch. And that's sort of what we do best. And it makes our job rewarding and, and also in some ways somewhat stressful because you just don't want to mess those things up. So you're involved with, as you said, the most important moments of people's lives. Guess that creates a little bit of pressure for you. To me, it became abundantly clear early on because all it takes is to receive one letter from a customer that we let down. And usually it's, hey, you missed this remarkably important event. And it's and I, one of the things, Michael, when, when we were chatting, uh, it, it's the happiest and saddest moments of your whole life. And, and we are meant to serve a very specific purpose in those moments. And so we take that pressure remarkably seriously. And it's a, a lot of people talk about customer centricity, but in our case, it's not just the person sending the gift, it's also the person receiving it. And so you take all of that pressure that I just alluded to, all the emotions involved, and then you talk that you actually have two different people that you have to make sure you're matching their expectations. It's a, it's a high pressure job for sure, but uh, it's, it's the best feeling on earth when you do it right. When you are involved in the, in the middle of the most important moments of people's lives, frankly, that you don't screw it up. It's actually why I generally think of us as a technology company. And I was hesitant to say that, Michael, when I started, just because I didn't really understand that. I mean, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that. When you start a new job, you, you know certain things, you don't know other things. But I was asked at a very early town hall at FTD, do you consider us a technology company? And I actually kind of dodged the question. I didn't say it directly. It was just because I still had a good amount of naivete for being so new at the, at the institution. But what I've learned is we absolutely are a technology company. And it's because that is the key to doing what you just said. Right, to making sure we don't screw up. Because if you think about an order flow, it's person comes on website, person buys something on website, that order then goes through routing logic to make sure it lands with the florist that can fulfill the order on the time schedule that you demand. And that's that last part, Michael, is so important because it's not like sending a, a piece of luggage in the mail, right? Where if it sits on your porch for a little while, you're fine, right? These are remarkably custom and fragile things that, that we make on a daily basis. And we have to get the timing right, we have to get the date right, and we have to get the address right. The stakes are, you can, there's so many different places you can mess up. And the technological advancements that we've had to do to make sure we decrease any refunds or returns is, is really the key. So we invest 
tens of millions of dollars in tech a year, Michael, specifically to make sure we don't screw up or at least screw up as little as possible. Now, we're talking today about customer loyalty. Where does that piece fit in? And I have to assume that doing, uh, orchestrating all of these pieces, all of these suppliers, the supply chain, the delivery, all of it is what ultimately leads to customer loyalty. But, but tell us about customer loyalty. The best way to ensure customer loyalty is a great, consistent experience. And for us, it's really interesting to think about a buyer's journey to start to think about how you drive loyalty. I, I sort of think of two types of transactions, uh, the ones you see coming and the ones you don't. So if it's your birthday, an anniversary, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, you can plan for those things and, and you know what you want to do and there's a clear date in mind. And so for us, a lot of our customer journeys start over there, but there's also the ones that you don't plan for. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, deaths and funerals are a big part of that. Um, you know, get well soon, you, you kind of have dinner with someone and you see they're a little down, right? And so those are not things you saw coming. They're much more contemporaneous. And so for us, loyalty is about winning both those events. And if you think about it in that mindset, the customer journey is very different where, you know, if you're shopping for a birthday, it's a little bit more of a concerted purchase and, and you probably want to show more merchandise and not less. And you want various kind of levels versus like, oh my gosh, I need to send flowers for a funeral. And that's a much different buying journey. And so I think it's our job to really kind of understand both of those customer journeys and be able to deliver a expected experience. And I know that sounds a little weird, but like what you don't want is surprises. You want it to be consistent, you know? And so I think about some of the places that I have a lot of loyalty for, it's because I know I will always get a good steak. I know I will always get a good cup of coffee. And for us, it's about everything from you will always get a really fast website that's easy to use and intuitive. You will always get easy to understand delivery instructions. And to your point before, Michael, we deliver, right? We have to deliver what we said we would, when we said we would, and the quality we would. Uh, and, and that to me is what loyalty is all about, right? Is that if you're not executing and delighting your customers, customers aren't going to be loyal. And, and it sounds like a simple point of view, but I, I think it's the right one. You use the term experience a couple of times just now. So is customer loyalty a function of good customer experience or is there something more to it than that? You and I could sit here and come up with the best loyalty plan, right? You get points, you get cash back, you get free hotel nights, you get vacations, whatever it may be. And it wouldn't matter, Michael, if we weren't doing our job, right? Like the moment you sign up for a loyalty plan and you order flowers and we don't, or they don't show up or they show up dead, or they, it's not what you ordered, you're not going to be loyal. And so I think that customer experience is far more important than any plan, right? And, and I think, you know, some of the biggest brands in the world don't have a quote unquote loyalty plan. Their loyalty is driven predominantly by their product. And, and I think that's how we want to start as well. We just want to, I, I believe that statistically, meaning you look at net promoter score, you look at refund rates, we have the best customer experience in the entire industry. That's going to be what drives loyalty more than anything else. It's promise and deliver. That's number one. What then for you are the components of customer experience? You've kind of alluded to it. And how do you accomplish the magic? Again, we're kind of talking around this, the same things, but, but drill down a little bit for us into this. 
It starts with your website experience. And, and this is where you really have to appreciate the nitty gritty, Michael. And, and if you think about it from a user experience perspective, when someone presses a button, does it do what they expected? And, and this is the hard part about great designers. I think great designers understand one thing much better than not so great designers, which is you're not designing for yourself. And once designers can get out of that mentality, what you're doing is you're designing a predictable experience. You're, you're, you want most of the things on your website, most, not all, most of the things should not be a surprise. When you click a button, it should do something, right? You shouldn't just sit there, right? We've all had that web experience. We're like, oh, is that a link? And you sit there and you, you do what's called rage click. You click over and over and over again. And so experience starts there. You have to start with just a very user-centric experience in mind. And then once you get that right, and by the way, there's a ton in there, right? Filters, um, you know, how are you going to decide how your navigation works? Are you going to have a way, uh, breadcrumbs so people can go back and forth? I mean, what's going to happen when someone hits the back button? What's going to happen when someone forgets to put www in front of the browser name? Did you set up your 404 redirects? Like, there's so much technically in there. So I don't mean to minimize how, like, well, once you get that done, I don't mean to make it sound easy. It ain't easy. Once you get that right, the next thing that matters is what are you selling? You know, is the stuff on your website the right stuff? If you came to ftd.com and you typed it and you clicked on the button and said shop birthday flowers and we showed you one thing, that's not a great experience. But I would also argue if we showed you 10,000 things, that's not a great experience either. It's about really merchandising your site in a way that allows for a customer to feel like they have options but are not also overloaded. Um, certain sites function in that kind of overloaded way and do it quite well. But especially with gifting, it's about that kind of guided journey and making sure our merchandise inspires you and you feel like you've really given something special because that's what it's all about. That's what gifting's all about. I want to give you something that makes you feel really special. And myself as the gift giver, I was like, I did my job, right? They got their experience. They had it. They had an amazing experience. And so once you get those two things right, I think one of the most underrated aspects of experience today, Michael, is delivery. Delivery is so darn important in this world of e-commerce that we live in. And I think we both agree, it gets screwed up a lot, right? And I'm including a lot in delivery. I would include how the thing is packaged, how is it presented? And so I, um, I go and I do uh, deliveries for one of our local florists in Seattle. It's called Nielsen Florist. Her name's Lisa. Hi, Lisa. If you watch this, she's the best. And when I do deliveries for her, one of her first instructions to me was like, when you deliver, when you have it in your car, make sure the vase is in a box, right? Because then it doesn't jostle and doesn't move around. And I just think that's such a nice little detail about making sure that when we get there, you take the vase out of the box and you give it to someone. But that little detail about how something's delivered and how you work in transit is so bloody important. And so to me, you start with the web experience, you merchandise it properly, and then you nail the last mile. And the one thing I would say that's consistent, all of that is messaging. What is the messaging that you give someone when they're on the website? What do you give someone the messaging between purchase and delivery? That's a really important time, by the way, that, that like cognitive distance that you get. We've added it to cart. We've bought it. What happens for those five days, seven days between the purchase? You said, like, I'm going to need to send flowers for Mother's Day. People are buying for Mother's Day right now, right? Like T minus 60 days. And so how do you make sure the customer feels like, okay, they didn't forget about me, right? Because there's just that natural feeling. And then arguably the most important, what do you do after it's been delivered? Like, hey, we did our job. 
uh, do you send a picture? Do you, or, or, the thing that's cool about flowers is nine times out of the time, the person that receives them, what are they going to do? Shoot it with their cell phone and text it to you. So we get a little bit of support there from our customers. But uh, to me, you have to be paying attention at a remarkably minute level of detail at every single one of those steps. And if you, the, the coalescence of all of them is what I encapsulate as a good experience. And, and here's the, the rub, Michael, is you screw any one of them up, it's all kaput. It doesn't matter if you hit 99 out of 100. If you mess one up, the customer is going to have a, a, a pretty subpar experience. Building loyalty then is essentially the expression of all of these steps without excluding anything from the entire customer journey from the beginning all the way out to the end. And I would say it's a mix of two things. And this is going to sound a little weird, um, but just indulge me for a second. I think it's a mix of matching their expectations in certain areas and exceeding and surprising them in other areas. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, Michael. Like one of the, the more ubiquitous phrases you hear when people talk about customer experience, they use the phrase surprise and delight. Now, that is certainly a part of a good experience, but you don't want to surprise a customer everywhere, right? Go back to my point before, a web navigation, right? You don't want people to be like, oh, that's surprising. I didn't know it was going to work that way. You just want it to work, right? It's just like, you know what? You know what I never want to be surprised by? A stoplight. You know, I want a stoplight to work the way it's supposed to work. I never want it to surprise me. And the way it delights me is being predictable. And so there's certain aspects of an experience that you should be aiming for commodification. You should be aiming for consistent. You shouldn't be aiming for surprise and delight. But then there's other areas where it's just like, oh, I didn't see that coming, right? I didn't, I, this packaging is super unique. That was delightful. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't expect that kind of extra message where your item is out for delivery. Your item has now been delivered. Like, oh, that extra message was a surprise. I loved that. That was delightful. And so I think the way you drive customer loyalty is this strange amalgamation of being really predictable and then being completely surprising at areas that are just these moments, these moments in time that give your chance, a brand a chance to set apart. And so it's, it's how you balance those two things, I think, are what can be the ultimate driver of customer loyalty. We have some questions coming in from Twitter and LinkedIn. And so why don't we jump to a few of those? Arsalan Khan, he's a regular listener. He asks great questions. Thank you on Twitter. He says, there seems to be a link between customer experience and customer loyalty. Is there a link between customer loyalty and employee loyalty? I think yes. And my snap reaction is yes. And here's why I would say yes. I believe if your employees are loyal to your brand and, and, and the word loyalty and employees, just, it, it kind of chafes me a little bit because it almost sounds like uh, uh, it's, it's almost like this weird ownership relationship, but I want, I want to work with employees forever, right? It's idealistic. It's never going to happen. People change jobs. People get amazing jobs and they get promoted. And, and in some ways that's the biggest comment, but if employees are loyal to their brand, they're going to take more pride in all of those details that I just described, right? Like we've all done a job that we didn't really feel like doing, raking the leaves, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes. And when you have that sort of regretful feeling like, oh, I don't want to be doing this, I promise you, you don't take as much pride in your work. And so to me, the link of employee loyalty and customer loyalty is this idea of have employees take remarkable pride in extreme detail orientation 
And I, I would guess that there is that kind of correlation. The most loyal employees are the people that are going to be the most attentive to those details that make a great, make, break a great experience. You know, as I have interviewed many CEOs, one of the things that really sticks in my mind is a while ago, I was interviewing on CXO Talk, uh, Anil Bushri, he's the CEO of Workday. And he made the comment that you have to put employees first, because everything else, all the customer experiences, everything else comes from your employees. If you just, it's really just what you said. If you treat your employees well and you develop loyalty among your employees, of course, that's going to transfer, translate back to your customers. That seems logical. I 100% agree with that statement. And I actually think the best way you can uh, put your employees first is just being so transparent with them. Um, I, I think we've all been in situations, Michael, where you feel like you're not getting the whole story or or someone does a presentation, but they leave out a massive detail. I think one of the things I always try to do, and try is the key word there, right? I mean, you're never going to be perfect, but I never want our employees to be surprised. If we're doing well, I want them to know it. If we had a rough day, I want them to know it. If we executed at an extremely high level, I want them to know it. If we, uh, so Mother's Day last year, uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, Valentine's Day last year, Valentine's Day 2021. It's the single worst experience I've had working in e-commerce because if you remember it, Michael, it was the worst weather in like the history of Valentine's Day. 60 to 70% of the country was under winter weather warnings. Louisville shut down for UPS. Memphis shut down for FedEx. Texas froze solid. There was like a four-day power outage. You know what that means for us? A lot of screwed up orders. We, I mean, and, and it's you just sit there and you feel just helpless. Because you know there is flowers sitting on the back of a truck frozen in Memphis that are never going to get to the recipient. And so you have one of two options there when you talk to your employees. You can be shiny, happy people and tell them, it's like, oh, wasn't this a great Valentine's Day? You can say, hey, guys, we disappointed a lot of people today. And it's just about how we do our best to fix it. And to me, that's how you put your employees first. To me, your employees first, that kind of just ruthless honesty. And if you kind of maintain that honesty and pragmatism, I I think you'll have an employee first mentality. We have another question coming this time from LinkedIn, and this is from Alex Forbes. And he asks, he says, is there a particular marketing technology or MarTech stack that contributes to FTD's customer loyalty success? Is it a digital experience platform, a customer data platform? How do you give customers personalized experience? So Share with us any any thoughts on the, the technology you use to make this magic happen. I go back to kind of how I describe the experience and all of those touch points. Um, the first one that leaps to mind is one of our partners is, is named Nacelle. Uh, the, the CEO is a guy named Brian Anderson. He's just an awesome guy. And you know what Nacelle does, Michael? It makes our website really damn fast. It, it's just so fast on mobile. I was actually showing um, somebody last night at a restaurant and I was playing on our site and she actually, I'd never met her before. She openly remarked, wow, your website's fast. That's Nacelle, right? They are such a key enablement layer to experience because is there anything worse than a slower website when you're trying to shop online, right? Like it just, it, it just is debilitating. It just ruins your experience. So never underestimate speed, never. And, and Nacelle is someone that we use for that specifically for our headless uh, commerce platform. And then the other one that, I, I, you know, it's a name that's very household. But you know what Shopify does extremely well? Their cart and their checkout experience is just delightful, right? The sign-in with Shopify, the shop pay, 
um, the shop app. Um, we're very, very much partners with Shopify. And I think sometimes there's this commodification of e-commerce platforms. And look, I'd say 90 to 95% of what e-commerce platforms do is sort of commodified, right? Like item masters and filters and like that kind of stuff. But I just think Shopify's card is best in class. And I think what they do for us to just make that checkout experience just delightful is, is so important. And I, I'm going to give ourselves some credit here. Um, Matt Powell's our, our CTO, and he has worked with his team, and, and I could name people all day, Alexandra Barron, David Thornley, Shivan Patel. You know, this, these folks have actually made a custom platform that works from order to delivery specifically for our use case. And in a lot of ways, Michael, that's our secret sauce, right? You shop with FTD because this technology platform is the best in class at order routing, uh, communication with the florist, communication with the customer, delivery. And I think it's the area that we've made a ton of progress on the last two years. And it's really a testament to our entire technology team. And so I think that that's where uh, it's not a, a MarTech, it's not a SaaS solution. It's something that's custom to us. But I, I would challenge everybody listening to yourself, ask yourself where you need to be custom, right? Ask yourself where you need to build something unique to your business as opposed to an off-the-rack SaaS solution. Because off-the-rack SaaS solutions are usually a great solution. Like, I'm not going to build an ESP. I'm not going to build an email service provider. You know, I'm going to just use something I'm, that's not something that I think I'm going to differentiate on. But I might build custom behavioral like language that actually sends email in an automated way. It is custom to us because our journey is so different. But I would challenge everybody listening to this. Where is SaaS good enough? And where do you need to invest for custom solutions? And in our case, I think the best part of our experiential platform is the stuff we've built ourselves specifically around order routing and, and technology there. So it's becoming a little bit clearer why you describe yourselves as a technology company, or at the very least, why you say that technology is at the heart for you of creating customer loyalty. But in a, in a way, it kind of, it's a little bit unintuitive because from the outside, one might think, well, the way to create customer loyalty in the florist business is find really nice flowers. They're a commodity, you know what I mean? Like, but I, we do find like the best growers in the space. I, I, I always mention my, my friend Juan Carlos Hannaford. He's a remarkable growing partner out of Colombia and Ecuador. But I, I think from there, Michael, you know what the best FTD experience is? And, and I probably, uh, there's got to be a better way to say this, but it's when we're invisible. Because if I'm sending you flowers, Probably the only way you don't say, thank you, Charlie, is if FTD screws up, right? And so if, if you receive flowers and you look at them and you read the card, you say, gosh, that was thoughtful from Charlie. And you never even say the word FTD or the words, the, the letters FTD. That's when we did our job perfectly. And the, in order to do that, there's so many little like nooks and crannies that are enabled by technology. And, and so... It's sort of odd to say that like the best experience is when a brand is invisible. But I think in our case, it's true because I want you to get the credit if you send me flowers. You know, I, that's, I think, what gift giving is all about. It's not about me taking credit for your thoughtfulness. So you are enabling a very smooth, hopefully seamless order flow, seamless process from the ordering of the flowers to the delivery of the flowers. And you are that enabling 
infrastructure that your customer, namely the person who paid for those flowers, can then take credit for? 100%. I think about the experiences that delight me the most. And it, it, it is that part that's invisible, but it's also the things that sometimes you don't notice. And so uh, one, of the, one of the things that we're working really hard at is this idea of, of vessels and containers. Because um, I think a lot of us have received flowers and the flowers live however long they live. And then you get done and you're like, what the hell am I going to do with this vase? Right? I don't want this thing. You know what I mean? And so we've realized that. And so we have spent so much time, like, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm like, we haven't gotten it perfect yet. We're, we're kind of still in like the test and learn phase. Like, is it about having the most versatile container? Is it about having a biodegradable container? Could we make a container that's recyclable? Could we do um, a program where when we drop off a vase, we'll come pick up your vases for you if you don't want them? I mean, and this is where we're still kind of experimenting. But just think about like something as trivial as a vase. I would, I would argue that it's a really critical part of the experience because the last thing you want when it's all said and done, your flowers last three weeks, is to have this thing in your house that you'd rather not have. And so it's amazing the amount of conversations we have around containers and like how those little idiosyncratic details can be such an important part of the experience. And the experience isn't over when the flowers wilt. That's the key is it's actually thinking about that entire aspect. And if you think all the way to that and you get done and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I have this space. I'm gonna reuse it. Or, oh, I can just, it's a compostable vase. I can just throw it in the compost. Those little things is actually the things like, you know what, I'll just go back to FTD because I love the fact they fixed that base problem for me. You know, I mean, and so you just never know where it is, but it's a good reminder of the experience isn't over just when you're done with the delivery. There's still messaging being done and you have to really experience what the customer goes through all the way to the end. I have to say, I was never really aware in such an acute manner of the complexities of, of delivering flowers. It is the funnest and most challenging business I've ever worked in, Michael. Uh, and it's just, it's logistic. I mean, go back to my Valentine's Day story. If, um, if I was still at my previous job and, and selling suitcases, an ice storm, it, it, it's not fun, but it just means you get it a day or two later, but it's still a suitcase. Um, in this case, we deliver you frozen and or dead flowers. That's tough, right? So it's just a naturally, I mean, perishables are a tricky logistical business. Um, flowers in particular are remarkably finicky. And, and there's, the, there's the old cliche of roses and roses and rose. It's BS, right? There's a really different roses in the world. And so, yeah, it's, um, I've never had a harder job. And also you combine that with kind of the emotional levity that we work in. But that is what makes it truly rewarding. Um, and you work, and I work with some of the most passionate people you've ever seen in your life, both at FTD and, and I'd be remiss. It's really about our florists. I mean, the amount our florists care is unbelievable. I'll, I'll share with you a great um, statistic, Michael, um, just give you an idea of what customer experience is all about. So Valentine's Day, February, 2021, worst weather that anyone can remember ever. Like it, it was just awful. We had two metrics for on-time delivery. We had on-time delivery that came from UPS, FedEx, USPS. So it was just called shipping. And we had on-time delivery from florists. Now, I was in Seattle at the time. Seattle got 15 inches of snow. It was not drivable. It was very, very challenging. Our on-time delivery rate from shipping was in the low 70s. Our on-time delivery rate for florists was in the high 90s. And so you want to talk about how you drive customer loyalty? 
get flowers there in the snow. And that, that's where florists are just a different ball game. They're just a different breed. Um, you know, with all due respect to the USPS, nor rain, no sleet, nor snow. Well, I'm telling you, florists were better at it. <laughs> and they just, they just get it done no matter what. And to me, that's what drives loyalty. I, I delivered um, flowers that morning. And um, this really nice lady opened the door. And her first reaction was, I can't believe you made it here. That's how you drive loyalty. Sounds like you love florists. We couldn't do what we do without them. I mean, like, uh, like when you talk about selling flowers, florists make a much better experience. And, and I don't think I would have ever appreciated it until I had this job. You know, there's that constant, there's a colloquialism in the industry called flowers in a box, right? Which is just kind of, you, you ship them, throw them in a box and they, and you know, sometimes they end up great. I promise you you will have a better experience if you work with our florists. And I think FTD florists in particular, it, it, they're just a different breed of small business person that just, they just get it done and they take remarkable pride in what they do. So yes, I definitely love florists. So, I mean, I, we couldn't do what we do without them. You're inspiring me. I sort of now want to become a florist and work with FTD. <laughs> well, uh, we can definitely use more good ones. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, is one thing I've learned about uh, florists. I, I've, um, I've now spent a good amount of time with them and uh, the stuff they go through to get it done, you know, on, on these big peaks on like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, they're renting cooled trucks or they're setting up tents outside where it's already naturally cold. But if it's too cold, the flowers will freeze. Um, the detail orientation that happens at just the florist level, forget about the website experience, forget about all that other stuff. The amount of detail that florists need to do uh, to ensure a remarkable experience is, is not for the faint of heart at all. And they, they get it done. They're a, a remarkable breed of human beings. Let's shift gears for a moment and go back to uh, Arsalan Khan again, comes back with a question. He wants to know more about the technology and where do you see the technology going? I mean, are you thinking at all about AI, virtual reality, augmented reality, and what else can help improve customer loyalty? We are so just getting started on the technology side and AI is, is a remarkable opportunity. And so... I'll, I'll share with you, Michael, my favorite technological challenge, my favorite one, right? You order this online. This is a bottle, a bottle of water, right? You order it online. How do you fulfill it? All right, I gotta, I gotta send it to you. How am I gonna send it to you? So let's just think about this. Let's just say that bottle of water was a dozen roses and you're in Seattle and you wanna send them to New York City, okay. New York City is not a small place. It's call it, I don't know, three miles across, 10 miles long. If you're just thinking about Manhattan, I made that up, but let's just hope I'm remotely close. Um, I have 10 florists in New York City. Which one gets the order? Do you give it based on how close they are to the deliverer? Because proximity really matters. Do you give it to the person that just ordered flowers yesterday so you know they have fresh roses? Do you give it to the person that's the most consistent and like they never, they like the highest NPS scores, but you don't know what's in their cooler? Um, that's where our technology has to differentiate. That layer of logic is so complex. And the only way you solve that is with automated technology like AI. And I think we're just now obsessing over it. And so I'll, I'll share a really tricky part of our business that AI is kind of the only way you can solve it is our florists might have someone walk into their store moments before or after, actually after is better. We send them a dozen roses, they accept the order, 
And as they hit accept on the order, someone walks into their store and says, hi, can I have 128 roses, please? And that person's there in front of them. They're going to give them the roses and walk out the door. Now what? And so those kind of problems can only really be solved with artificial intelligence. And that's where our team is obsessing every day is we have to land that logic so well to ensure the dozen roses show up on your doorstep two days later. But the things that can go wrong and the kind of use cases and scenarios, it's about an automated technology product that allows us and the florist to communicate in real time. And, and that's called Mercury for us. And, and we've rolled new versions of Mercury basically every three months in, in the last year, um, but we're still just getting started. And I think that that's where, um, I think that's where we're really beating up on the competition. I don't mind bragging about for our tech team a little bit, but we've made a long way to go, but we still have, we have a long way to go still. So all of this ultimately is about removing the friction between that customer intent when they buy the flowers all the way through the chain to when the flowers show up at the, at the recipient in good shape. Well, and, and, and I would also say anticipating the friction, right? Like, yes, I got to remove it, but you also have to come up with all the little use cases that might go wrong, right? Because, because look, the world is not a consistent place. We live in a world, the only consistent thing on the earth is entropy, right? Which is like stuff's just always going on. You have to anticipate a snowstorm. You have to anticipate um, someone walking in with a B2B, like a massive event. You have to anticipate a florist getting sick. Like, is there, is there one thing that we've all been affected over the last two years? COVID can change your labor situation instantly. And it's not our customer's job to solve that problem, Michael. It's our job. And so if we send, if we have a, a B2B order, right, we're, we're partnering, um, one of our, our best partners is USAA, right? And USAA is having an event and they need to have 60 centerpieces in an event. We tell them two weeks ahead of time, like, oh yeah, no problem. No problem, right? And then we facilitate with a, a, a florist in San Antonio, Texas, which is where USA is based. And the florist is like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem, right? And then the day before the event, they have a COVID outbreak. Now what? Right. And so I think it's about anticipating that friction and being ready and proactively ready to disarm it. And so take that scenario. We can instantly send that order out to every florist we have in San Antonio, like who can do this today? And if they can't do it, then we can overnight roses our ourselves and get them there. And so technology has to allow for our florist to say, I have a COVID outbreak and we can instantly react. That's what great technology does to enable an experience, is that anticipating and resolving that friction. If we take a, a step up, would it be accurate to say that ultimately all of this leads to customer trust and that customer trust is really the foundation or the, the, the driver of loyalty? Absolutely. Um, to me, trust is key. You know, I'm, I'm doing this interview right now, uh, Michael, from the, the W Union Square, right? I'm in New York City and I'm at a W Hotel. I always know what to expect when I go to the W brand. I used to stay at the W Hong Kong. Um, we do nights away in the W Seattle. And to me, that's what trust is all about, is that when I walk into a W, it's going to deliver what I want. And, and, and I think that if you have that, that's why I always stay in W's. That's the definition of loyalty. But if you were to ask me the question, like really in a cerebral way, like, Charlie, why do you stay at W's? It's actually a very simple answer, which is I know exactly what I'm going to get and I like it. I know they have good gyms. 
I know the beds are comfy. I know the air conditioning works. Air conditioning is such a big deal for me in hotel rooms. I'm, I'm always a thousand degrees, but if I know the air conditioning is good, I'm going to, I'm going to want to stay. But like, if you started listing off, Michael, what makes a great experience, it's a thousand things, but ultimately it's the trust that those thousand things are going to be right every single time. And so I, I think trust is a perfect word as what really adds up to, to loyalty. Where does trust play a role for you across your very complex supply chain with, with the florists, with the delivery partners, and all the pieces in between? Well, it's, it's a great question because you sort of have these micro moments of trust to the entire supply chain, right? Or the, sorry, the, the entire buying experience. You know, I trust Shopify is going to do their end on cart. I trust Nacelle is going to do their end on, on Speedomo. All those folks that I mentioned before, there's these micro moments of trust at every single step. And, and that's why you renew contracts. You know, that's why you, you partner with, you know, Juan Carlos at Elite. Um, that's why, you know, I can tell you the names of Elton Soriano and Kyle Brown and Julie Gelb. And those are all florists, you know, Lisa Packet. Like they, I know that they will bend over backwards and make a customer happy. To put it another way, Michael, I trust them. And I think that uh, trust is burnt. And, and I think for me at FTD, you know, something that, we, I didn't mention initially was um, FTD was, was coming out of a bankruptcy in August of 2019. And when a company goes into a bankruptcy, chances are there was some trust broken with people down, down the line, on the way kind of down. And, and so a lot of what we've been doing is, you know, Floris didn't necessarily believe we were going to hold up far into the bargain. Um, they had been told that new POS solutions have been coming for literally a decade, Michael, literally, and they never got anything. So it's not like we show up and be like, no, no, new regime, trust us. Um, we've had to chip away at that. And I think that every single one of those relationships, trust is earned. And, and for us, um, there are still florists that really dislike us. And I personally have like received some pretty decent vitriol for something that happened 10 years ago. And I didn't work at FTD 10 years ago. And so I appreciate that. And I think that you always have to remind yourself, trust is earned. And if you don't think about that with every single one of your partners in the customer experience, and here's the other thing, hold them accountable. And, and I think it's important to note, Michael, no one bats a thousand, right? No one is perfect all the time, right? And so a lot of how you can earn trust is what you do when you screw up, right? What do you do when you make a mistake? Do you, you know, blame something else? Do you, do you kind of pretend like it didn't happen? Do you kind of tell the customer like, oh, well, we'll just get to bright the next time. And, and I think that's an area where um, great partners and great, great partnerships are, are made. You know, if, um, if we mess up an order uh, and I get, a, I get a lot of notes on LinkedIn from customers, they'll find me on LinkedIn and be like, hey, you messed this up. You know, one thing I never say, I never say like, oh, well, let's fix this. You can't fix it. It's already broken. Right. The, the, the language I always try to use is let me see what I can do to improve the situation. To me, that's how trust is built is ownership that you've already messed up and do what you can to improve it. Because I think the last thing you want to do when you make a mistake is be holier than thou. And that's really where great partnerships come from. Like think about a marriage. You know, you're going to fight. Someone's going to let each other down at a certain point. It's about how you own your mistakes is probably the most important aspect of building trust. And it's true with every partner across the customer experience. What advice do you have for folks listening on building customer loyalty and brand loyalty? We actually built our entire customer journey, including scenarios. 
And what I mean by that is, what if they select zip code? What if they select date? What if they select a flower? What if they select chocolates? What if they're checking out with multiple addresses? Like every single scenario, and it ended up being this big flow diagram, Michael. It was, it was on this uh, laminated rollout, and we then mailed it to every board member, and it was laminated so you could dry on it and dry erase markers. Start there. Start there. Draw out your entire customer experience and ask yourselves, okay, where can we delight our customer? And where, if we mess up, is it a death knell? Like there are certain areas of the customer journey where customers will probably give you a pass, right? If you have to double click on a navigation when you're expecting a single click, not a good thing, but you're probably not a death knell. If you get to the checkout process and they don't, ex and they don't accept PayPal, you might lose that customer, right? You might. So that might be a death knell. And so I think if you take the time and it's arduous, it's arduous work. It takes very detail-oriented work and it's a lot of little boxes and arrows and, 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 and uh, lines. But if you take the time to map your entire customer journey and you identify the most important points and important to be one of two things, place where you, the customer will stop, they'll give up and places where you can see their expectations. And I think if you do that in your customer journey and, and you actually force yourself down that, that rabbit hole, uh, you'll come up with some really good ideas. Uh, at least we did. What's the hardest part about all of this, about building brand loyalty and customer loyalty? If you net it all out, what's, what keeps you up at night around these issues? I don't think customer expectations have ever changed as quickly as they are right now. You know, if you think back 10 years, Michael, you were totally happy. And this is going to sound crazy because it's going to seem like it was eons ago, but it was 10 years ago. Something took five to seven days. No big deal. Like ground shipping. No problem. I'm not going to pay 18 bucks or whatever they're going to charge me for two days. Five to seven days. Ground shipping. Great. Then this company called Amazon came around and just decided Prime was a thing. Now, if you don't ship something in two days, you've just like the customer expectation has changed. Two days is now what ground shipping was. That is the customer expectation. And so if brand loyalty is a byproduct of an entire consumer journey and building trust without it, our biggest challenge is keeping up and exceeding an ever-changing customer expectation. And, and I think that it's a really nice thing to remind yourself is that what your customer sees as a great experience today might not be what's a great experience in two days. You know, and, and you know, think about how, how COVID has changed the narrative around delivery. You know, think about how what we want in a grocery store has changed. You know, like how prevalent are berries at a grocery store now versus 10 years ago? Customer expectations have changed. Customers' desires have changed. And I think they're changing more rapidly now than they ever have in history. And so that means you have to be constantly revisiting your experience and question it. And that's, I think, our biggest challenge is trying to keep up with it, the customer sentiment that, uh, that is changing at such a rapid rate. Well, I think that's a great way to close with this phrase you just said. Essentially, brand loyalty is the culmination of a customer journey that builds trust and meets the customer expectations. Seems like a good summary. If I said it, I'm proud of myself. I, I'll, I'll take it. Charlie Cole, CEO of FTD. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us and to join us today. I really, really appreciate it. It always feels like it's done in, in like five minutes, Michael. It's always so fun to talk to you. I, I, I had a great time. And everybody, thank you for watching, especially those folks who ask such great questions. Now, before you go, please subscribe to our newsletter 
Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button at the top of CXOTalk.com and check out CXOTalk.com. CXOTalk.com. We have great shows coming up. Thanks so much, everybody, and I hope you have a great day.